0: There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the
1: only way we know how. Hot Rock style. Earl, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras, let's be a cold weather team, neck rolls,
0: I want, I blow, you know? and grass stained jerseys. The good old fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello,
1: welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here as always. And this is a special trade deadline day edition. We had so much action, Jonathan, and I have to say, I welcome the new NFL where teams are either going for it or they're tanking. Just like some of the other sports have long been. Hockey was doing this a long time ago where teams were trading away anything that wasn't nailed down. Baseball has done it. Basketball has gone all in on it. And now the NFL is too. I think teams are getting smarter about the way that they're handling some of these players that they know they're not going to keep. And the teams that have a chance to win are all in. And we saw a lot of trades today. And and I think another thing too, one of the smartest things the NFL ever did was move the trade deadline back because after four weeks, if you're two and two, you're not trading away your best players. You look like a psycho. But if you are two and five, now then you look like you're a non contender and it's time to move your pieces. So the NFL has once again found a way to create excitement in the middle of the season. And they certainly did that with the
0: deadline today. I am all in on bringing. The trade deadline back maybe even another week let it let it happen another week so teams can figure out even more whether they're in or out because there's still teams out there that are kind of bordering on that on that line whether they're in or out give it another week and i think this this trade deadline that we saw this year which was i think the most active in nfl history could be even more active because these gms as you said they're understanding how to play the quick rebuild game of just kind of crash out as quick as you can and then load up on draft picks, trade out your guys, get draft picks and continue to load up that way. And you'll bounce back quickly. As we saw the chiefs, uh, we've seen the dolphins do it. saw the Eagles do it. I mean, we've seen all these teams do it over the past couple of years where they, get, they load up on picks, get some young guys, or they trade those draft picks for stars already in the league, like AJ Brown. And you see what it does to these teams. I think that the trade deadline has become a great thing now that it's moved back. And now that, teams are more willing to trade in the middle of the season we're no longer hearing you can't teach a guy and get him in into your system and well enough that he's going to be able to you know adjust and be a functioning member of your team odell beckham came in last year and helped the rams win the super bowl it doesn't matter anymore these players are all smart enough they are all well prepared enough that they can just jump teams and go on to another team and help them out almost immediately i'm all for the trade deadline being as active as it was today
1: and especially with skill players where you can create packages for them. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had an incredible day, which we'll get to a little bit later, but an unbelievable day for San Francisco in just his second week. And they said he's already mastered this because a lot of these things, there's so much more information available. It's not like you have your team's playbook and you have never seen what any other team does like it used to be back in the day. Uh, And it was probably overstated then it was probably more that teams just didn't want to give up on their seasons early and make a bunch of trades. Um, But it was for sure a little overstated how hard it would be to go to another team. But now I mean, they have the uh, the team-issued iPads. Most of the teams are running a lot of the same stuff. It really just is getting the verbiage down and learning like what words mean what. And if you're studying a game plan week to week, you don't have to color outside the lines a ton if you're a guy that just got traded there. And then you can learn the rest of the playbook as you go along to be dynamic. But um, you certainly have a lot of season to help. Your team, if you start now, and it's interesting because you mentioned moving it back even farther. Every other sport has it farther back in their season. I mean, baseball, the season's almost over with when they're making the trade deadlines. And then you can even weirdly make trades after the deadline, which I, (laughs) you know, never really understood. But, I mean, you can go all the way up to, what, the very end of July. Um, So this is not even halfway through the season. They could move it back probably another week and get more all-in type trades And more excitement, which we had many. So let's talk about some of them. I would like you, Jonathan, to tell me out of the 20 players who got moved at the trade deadline, uh, what was the best trade a one of the day or the deadline in general? Like you could go back a couple of days with recent trades, but what's the best trade that was done trade deadline week set?
0: I think Robert Quinn and Rokon Smith getting getting to new teams that are actually competitive might be up there, but for me, it's got to be Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins, uh, shoring up a position of weakness that the Dolphins had, and it helps out the it helps out the Broncos. I mean, they they switched they swapped picks already with the Jets and got in defensive end help where they needed it, and they're a team that's not going anywhere. the The Broncos are, and so they knew they couldn't keep Bradley Chubb. He wasn't going to stay there. And that's a guy with five 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 and a half sacks already this season showing how good he can be on the defense. And we saw a couple weeks ago, the Vikings did anyways, that the Dolphins needed help there. And that shores up a position of weakness for them. I really like that trade for them because it shows that the Dolphins are going all in. They saw what Tua could do this last week against the Lions now that he's back and healthy. Uh, hopefully he stays healthy for the rest of the season because that's a dangerous team going into the AFC playoffs, especially now that... They've helped out their defense quite a bit with Bradley Chubb coming in. And remember, they are the one and only team
1: to have beaten the Buffalo Bills. And you add more pass rush to a team that has a lot of talent and the offense that they're able to create with Tyreek Hill there and Jalen Waddell. I mean, that is a dangerous offensive team. When Teron Armstead is healthy, they are totally different. Yes, the Vikings caught them at the right time to get two backup quarterbacks in that game. And even then, the Dolphins made it extremely difficult – on the vikings forcing them to punt 10 times in that game and they are a bounce interception and a fumble away from maybe beating minnesota anyway with two backup quarterbacks in that game which i think speaks to their star talent that they could even be without so much and still play a very competitive game and then like you said what they did last week very very impressive and we might have to put them right in the elite category Gosh, the Bengals have made uh, my recent statements about them look bad from Monday Night Football, but I think if we were doing AFC-only power rankings, Baltimore makes a decision to bring in Rokon Smith. I think he'll be a very good fit with Baltimore. They're still a strong team, but I might put Miami right below the top two, which is clear-cut Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Miami after that, and then maybe Baltimore and Cincinnati even as two teams that have both disappointed at times and been very good at times. And then after that, it's kind of uh, up to anybody. And I guess we shouldn't sleep on Tennessee either, that they could play a game with their backup quarterback and run all day long and steamroll another football team. Tennessee just keeps winning and nobody gives them credit, including us. Although Jace Frederick was on the show early in the season and said, hey, everybody's high on the Jags like silly me. I was. Uh, and uh, But Tennessee's the best coach team. And I think that's right. I think coaching uh, along the offensive line for them, coaching their defense. There's a reason Mike Vrabel was coach of the year. Um, so this is getting off track a little bit, but the point just being that you know the Ravens got better, the Dolphins got better. That these teams are not saying, "Hey, it's all up to Buffalo and Kansas City. We're just going to whimper away and and hope for next year." Well. Kansas City and Buffalo aren't going anywhere for a long time. You're going to have to keep trying to chase them down and Miami helped their, uh, their cause for sure. One of the moves that I really liked, I mean, trading away Roquan Smith was a phenomenal move for the uh, Chicago Bears. I, I mean, I just think that they did a terrific job stacking talent, but they also bring in Chase Claypool at a fairly high price, but I like it anyway, because one of the main goals of this season for the Chicago Bears is to figure out whether Justin Fields can play. And if Justin Fields is continuing to throw to poor wide receivers, then there's still going to be that excuse. Hey, his supporting cast, his supporting cast, his supporting cast. They really have to figure that out. And Claypool can be a short and long-term option. Now I do have some concerns about him because Pittsburgh let him go. And it's like when an organization is that good usually, and they have a very high standard and so forth, then you do wonder like, why are they letting him go? Antonio Brown. Remember when once upon Mm -hmm. a time, we thought maybe Mike Tomlin was being too tough on Antonio Brown. Not so much. Right. So uh, that does make you wonder, but I I think that when you can get something for right now to help you figure out whether Justin Fields is your guy and for later, that's a quality NFL wide receiver uh, to spend one draft pick when you replace the bunch of other ones. I think that's a very solid move. Also the most underrated move in, in my mind is the Buffalo Bills getting Naheem Hines, who is a terrific player. I mean, he's a guy who can kind of do everything. If you're a throwback, which you probably are if you're listening to this show, Eric Metcalf type, where he could be a wide receiver, a punt returner, a running back. There aren't that many guys who can do everything like Naheem Hines can, but uh, that is a great addition for them. A team that was short on that type of guy. And if, look, if you're going to throw on every play then get a running back who can really catch the ball. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's him. So I think that that those
0: trades were the ones that probably stuck out the most to me. Yeah. I think the bears getting in chase Claypool now does a couple of things for them. As you said, it gives Justin Fields finally a weapon to throw to, and it gives them that opportunity to say, all right, he's got a weapon to throw to. Let's see if he can be our guy for the future. But it also keeps kept uh, one of the Packers supposed targets away from the Packers because now the Packers because the pack or the Bears traded for Chase Claypool, the Packers couldn't. And that was supposedly and rumored to be one of the targets that they were going after to help out Aaron Rodgers. Well, that went out the window when the Bears took him off the window or off the market and signed him. I would imagine they're going to sign him for a contract if they already haven't. But yeah, I, I like that move a lot because it does those things. It helps out your quarterback now helps him, helps you figure out if he's the guy for the future, but it also hurts one of your interdivision rivals.
1: Yeah. And just for the pettiness alone, a good trade.
0: So a well handled, I think
1: trade deadline and with Roquan Smith, like Ryan Poles has to know he's going to get crushed for that because Roquan Smith is a high draft pick and a popular Mm -hmm. player. But the reality is he's kind of a boomer bust guy and he's going to demand a lot of money on a team that is probably smarter to spend their money elsewhere. Uh, that you know, in the future when they go to free agency and they've reset their cap in a good way and they can spend any way they want, they have to look at premium positions, not linebacker necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like You can fill in the linebacker spot if you have great corners, great wide receivers, great edge rushers, offensive tackles. They need all of those things. So I, I think they have done the right thing with the way they've reset their team. But there is a tendency to give too much credit to teams that sell. Because it's technically the right move, but it's also a forced move. There's not really anything else you could do. So when you're like, oh, this person had to do that, but they did the right thing. Like, well, I have to drive in the right lane, but I guess I deserve credit for it, right? I mean, otherwise I crash. So like, I you know, I don't know. I I think that maybe... There's also um, just as much credit that goes to the buyers for deciding to go all in. This includes the Vikings trading for TJ Hawkinson. I don't know if that's a transformational move for their team, but it is an upgrade for an offense that is teetering on being very good. So I think some good moves from the buyers as well. The Ravens would be one I would question the Packers and Dallas not making moves. I would also question, but we will get to that. In fact, Brandon Cooks, he seemed super excited to spend the rest of the year with the Houston Texans. Uh, he tweeted, let's see, let's see. Uh, Don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long. Those days are done. Cross the line with me, playing with my career. Wow. Brandon wow. Cooks okay. really thought he was getting traded. Also, boy, the, uh, the secrets the Houston Texans could
0: tell. Am I right? I mean dangerous man keeping that guy around after you kind of just played him and played with him and hung him out there for everybody to come trade around and probably told him hey look we're gonna try and trade you and then you don't trade him on trade deadline day doesn't look good and he's saying that kind of stuff and considering as you said the secrets that are out there in that organization with what just happened there over the past couple of years yeah not not probably something you want hanging around
1: Yeah, and Jack Easterby, the uh, Mm -hmm. guy who was like, uh, what, team pastor turned uh, roster builder? Like, who was ripped the team apart in unprecedented fashion, then just sort of sneaks out the back door in the (laughs) middle of the season? Hmm, nothing going on there, I'm sure, Houston Texans. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, with Brandon Cooks, this makes no sense. And it really, what it smacked of was a money issue that the McNairs didn't want to put down the money to pay for him to play for somebody else, but that's usually how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like every team knows that you have to trade this guy because of the situation you're in. So often what it comes down to is we don't really have the cap space for you guys. So let's make this happen with you taking the cap space and we'll give you the draft capital, but that might also include you taking the bill for paying him the money, but that's your fault because you brought back Brandon cooks. So Houston, (laughs) whatever the standard is for dysfunctional teams Houston blows it away yeah they are in they are the Michael Jordan of dysfunctional NFL franchises and it is incredible remember when they thought Bill O'Brien was the problem oh no there are many other people that are the problem but here's what I want from you I mm-hmm. want you to compose tweets of your own that are like Brandon Cooks only about teams that
0: lost the trade deadline Okay, so I have two here, and they kind of—they're—they're they're both the same organization. First of all, it's the Packers front office. I don't know, ha, caller, have you seen the movie UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic movie from back <laughs> in the day? I want to, but I haven't. Okay, it's—it's yeah. it's a glorious movie. There's a scene. If—if uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's basically a guy takes over a an old, like a local TV station, and he brings in a bunch of wacky shows to help boost the ratings or whatever to fight off the local competitor. And there's a scene where there's a animal expert show, and he gets badgers one day for his show, and he says, badgers, badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers, and throws one of the badgers out the window. The the Packers front office just went, receivers, receivers, we don't need no stinking receivers, and just throws all the options out the windows. And then Aaron Rodgers sees that, quote tweets it, and then just spells out, I-A-M-O-U-T-O-F-H-E-R-E exclamation point. <laughs> just like the relax, it's I am out of here. I mean, I got to say, Jonathan, that is just well done.
1: That is just well done. That is well, well done. Uh, so I have it for, for Carolina. There was a report yep. that Carolina got offered by the Rams two first-round picks for <laughs> Brian Burns. You know, this is the funny thing about the Rams if they didn't win last year, if Jimmy Garoppolo leads a game-winning drive, mm-hmm. if the interception is caught, if whatever in the playoffs, if Tom Brady leads that comeback, if whatever, they would look so ridiculous mm-hmm. trying to tra- try to trade two more first-round picks for Brian Burns, <laughs> who is a good player, yeah, good. Like I don't, I, he's not Lawrence Taylor, he's good. And then Carolina turning it down, like. I, I, I guess my tweet wa- was just Carolina saying seven first round picks. <laughs> seven. That's how many we wanted. <laughs> seven first round picks. Well, I someone... mean, bleep them picks is great when you win for a year and then your team is terrible right after. And you're three and yeah. four and you just got steamrolled. I just... I the, the other one I had was along the same lines. It was the Packers just tweeting bleep you aaron (laughs) we hate you too get vaccinated aaron like just that
0: just like then we'll get your receiver (laughs) bleep you receivers is the packers tweet (laughs) yes bleep you bleep receivers i don't understand what caroline is doing turning that down like i get that they wanted the picks for now they wanted them for this year but i don't remember who pointed it out but they pointed out that you want those picks in 2024 and 2025 because that's when you're going to turn this thing around and that's when you're going to start getting good. You're not going to be good next year. Your roster is awful. There's no way you turn this around next year and need that first round pick this year. You need that in the next couple of years. And the Rams trying to just continue to sell away their first round picks after they once drafted Jared goff in the first round and realized hmm maybe that wasn't such a good idea let's never draft in the first round again it seems as the their super strategy was
1: it's like you had the funny thing about it is they drafted cooper cup they drafted aaron donald they traded a player that they drafted first to detroit to get the player that won them the super bowl like you do have to draft sometimes robert <laughs> nice. woods uh no robert woods signed there with them but a lot of their players that they built the team with were drafted. It wasn't all just trading away everybody for superstars. Uh, oh yeah. Um, Denver. Uh, our possibilities are still unlimited.
0: <laughs> sure. They are. That situation has like, it, it's crazy how the Russell Wilson trade has tanked Has almost tanked the stock of George Payton. Everybody thought this man was doing, God's work is the general manager of the Denver Broncos trading away Von Miller in the middle last year, getting a haul for him and then almost re-signing him in the off season, bringing him back. So you essentially would have lost nothing, but then they go out and trade an arm uh, arm and a leg for Russell Wilson. They give him the monster contract away right away. And it hasn't worked out. It's almost like torn down everything that he's built up in the, in the short time that he's been there. It is crazy. What one trade can do to your, your legacy essentially. How about Dallas not getting the
1: Brandon Cooks thing done? They should be embarrassed as Houston is. Yeah. Uh, dem boys, and then in parentheses, can't afford you. <laughs> and, and look, look, Tony Pollard is a star. Mm-hmm. And they re-signed Ezekiel Elliott for huge money. Now, I think Ezekiel Elliott is still a good player. I mean, I see some people like, oh, his statistics aren't as good as Pollard and this and that and the other thing. I, I get it, but I think he's still a good player. Uh, but not what they're paying him. To no. be just a good player. And uh I don't have their cap in front of me. Didn't they also sign Vanderesh to a decent sized deal? Like they, they made moves that were not that savvy and they lost Amari Cooper, who's still amazing, by the way, yeah. because of it. Um Amari Cooper's also a great chess player, if you didn't know that.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, Amari, Cooper had, a...
1: Amari Cooper has his own chess coach. I'm
0: not kidding you. Interesting. He's, he's that getting serious a, about getting only getting a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper when Chase Claypool went for a second round pick seems like you kind of got the worst end of that deal, but had they acquired Brandon cooks
1: pair him yeah. with CD lamb, the way then that Dak matter. Prescott looked the other day, I mean, you're talking about a super bowl potential team in Dallas, but you know, the, them signing Ezekiel Elliott, Jerry Jones, like fighting to the death on that one, as opposed to trying to get out from under it. Uh, that's, that's not a great cap situation. That's the reason they right. couldn't get uh Brandon Cooks. So dem boys ain't got no money. Um, this also shows you that anybody who does those those mashup videos where they just like have a one liner about every team, it's not very hard to do. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Anyone just... could do it anyway. On to the next thing. So, uh, Tua threw for 382 yards in a Dolphins win, and he is playing great football this year. I mean, say, I know that he became the center of a completely different story about yeah. his concussion. But this guy was considered like, I don't know, borderline bust, not looking so good, game manager, and now he is airing it out and it's looking like Bama again. Is it possible, Jonathan, and this is not rhetorical, I want your real answer here, I'm not leading, is it possible that we called the Justin Herbert to a battle too soon, that we decided Justin Herbert was better way too soon, and how many years do we need to know which quarterback and they were drafted essentially back to back in that draft how many years to know which quarterback is better and if a quarterback
0: who is drafted high is actually good i'm still i'm i've had this question for a couple hours now and i'm still struggling to figure out which way i lean on this fence here cuz i i can see it from both ways that yes we did uh, say this, we called this race too early because of what two has done this year. Uh, in the fact that he's just starting to air it out, he's starting to look like the same quarterback we all saw in college, and he's brought that finally to the NFL. But I can also say no that we didn't call it early enough because Justin Herbert is playing outstanding, has played outstanding up until this year, where he's dealt with injuries and his teammates have been injured. He's got a weird coaching situation, but he's also got a really tough conference, so it's really hard to judge both of these guys against each other at this point I think 3 years is about right though because we saw what Josh Allen did in his 3rd year and how he took that leap in his 3rd year and I know that's asking for patience from NFL fans and NFL front offices which we've talked about plenty on here which just doesn't exist the patience factor with developing quarterbacks it just never existed I think 3 years is about right because that gives you plenty of time both of these guys have played over 20 games now Josh J- Justin Herbert's at 39 Tua's at 29. They both had plenty of time to develop into the quarterbacks they become. I'm not willing to say that one is better than the other right now because of the situations that they've been in. Tua didn't get the start right away, and he kind of had to work his way into the situation and wasn't really the most stable of franchises up until this year when they went out and just went all in on the rookie contract and, and brought in the receivers, and they went out and helped shore up the defense just today. And Justin Herbert's had all the time in the world to be the star that he is. He fa- I think was the fastest or the second fastest to over 10,000 yards passing as a quarterback. He's got 11,000 passing yards right now, almost 100 touchdowns already in just three years of playing football. That's, that's an incredible uh, jump from a guy who I know you and I talked about when he was coming out of the coming in the draft that we were questioning whether he was going to be good enough and whether he deserved the hype coming out of Oregon. And he's just He's he's got a cannon of an arm. He's really fun to watch, but he's dealt with injuries this year. So I can't really say that Tua's overtaken him completely because of the situation that Herbert's been in this year. That he's he's been dealing with injuries, and he's in a tougher conference, I think, than Tua is in in uh, in the AFC East. Yes, he's got the Buffalo Bills ahead of him, but Justin Herbert's got the Chiefs. He's got the Raiders. He's got the Broncos. All Broncos the have a great defense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tougher conference, I think, because you have. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs just dominating and running away with that and three other teams or two other teams that are also going all in at the same time. Yeah, I think both, I think they're, they're close as far as the defensive talents
1: uh, of both conferences uh, that those two are playing in this year. Uh, maybe historically over the last few years, it's been a little more difficult in the West than it has been in the East. But I think more than anything, what this tells us is that, over the first two years of a guy's career starting, it is very, very difficult to draw conclusions. And I was just looking back at this the other day, statistically, because I was doing a, a thing about Geno Smith. And what I discovered was that Geno Smith's numbers weren't that different from Alex Smith, Matthew Stafford and Eli Manning in their first two seasons. And there were questions about all of those guys. Yeah. Alex Smith looked like one of the worst picks ever. Um, Eli Manning was like, this is the guy who you know we traded for. Four in New York that wouldn't sign with the San Diego Chargers and everything. And then, you know, Eli wins two Super Bowls. Uh, Alex Smith becomes a great NFL starting quarterback. Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl. Like, you know, it takes time. It really does. Because not only does it take time for that player to understand football, but it usually takes time for the roster to be built around him. Tank mm-hmm. for Tua doesn't mean, oh, we tank and then have a great roster for Tua yeah. when he arrives. Not only that, we need to also point out I think Brian Flores was a very good defensive coach. They had co-offensive coordinators last year, which uh, to paraphrase John Madden, if you've got two offensive coordinators, you've got no offensive <laughs> yes. coordinators. I mean that is ridiculous. It's what Mac Jones is dealing with. Yeah. Like the people the people who are deciding today that Mac Jones can't play in the NFL, it's like what you got amnesia, you forgot what he did last year. he proved he could play in the league. The rest is situation for a lot of guys. But I think what Tua is showing is next level. I mean, I really think that it is special and it's gelling so perfectly. Remember when Tua was getting roasted for his team tweeting out some bomb in training camp? Like, people stop it. Stop yeah. playing into these narratives like that Tua just has no arm and can't throw it. Well, he was a top draft pick. He clearly has the physical skill. And what he did at Alabama was historically good, the numbers that he put up. They were some of the best numbers Alabama's ever seen. The guy won the national championship. He's a special talent. They wouldn't have drafted him that high if he wasn't. And so now we're seeing it come to fruition. And we can also see players get better, rosters get better. And what is sort of frustrating is when it's like, well, you know, he's got this guy. It's like, well, okay, well, everybody's got some guy. Like (laughs) – there's, no, there's nobody out there playing by themselves. Yes, there is a guy like Mahomes who can overcome losing Tyreek Hill, and that's incredibly impressive. Everybody who's not the greatest ever is going to be impacted by their circumstances. So I agree with you that it is too early to call because Herbert is playing with a punctured lung or something and whatever, yeah. and uh, he's lost his receivers. If you don't have Keenan Allen out there, that's a big deal. So he's going to have to grind out wins uh, by doing that, but I think that Tua found his way through those first couple of years when his roster wasn't very good, when the coaching wasn't very good, and still won a lot of football games by protecting the ball. And now he's able to air it out and showing what they drafted high, and also showing the value of that rookie quarterback contract. So this one is far from being decided. It feels kind of like a a better version of Goff that versus Wentz. Like Goff yeah. and Wentz, they both kind of took their team somewhere. They both put up good statistics and then fell off. I think that Tua is the more likely guy to fall off when his team eventually does. But that's a couple years down the road, I think, from this point. Herbert is a little more physically gifted. There's also some stuff about Herbert where you go, is it really his coach's fault that he's not pushing the ball downfield? Because this guy does have an uh, I mean, unbelievable arm, but does not play gutsy football like he's averaging six and a half yards per attempt some of that is receivers but there is an element of Justin Herbert where you cannot put it all on the offensive coordinator that he's not going downfield because this is kind of the second or third year in a row where you've wondered why isn't he pushing it a little more with his physical talent it might be kind of who he is but I'm willing to give this one a lot longer and I think both teams did very well for themselves it's just Miami has had some some things go their way with getting Jalen Waddle and with uh, you know being able to bring in Tyreek Hill, so all right, next question for you. That's that is an interesting one, and and I will enjoy watching in the future. And I just I just like when 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 the outside world decides way too early, unfairly, yeah. this guy stinks, and then everybody makes all their jokes on Twitter. He's got no arm, and he's this, and he's this, and he's this, and then comes out and shows what he can really do because we really should have just been more patient about Tua. So a lot of times what you should say when someone is kind of in the middle in their first couple of years, it's like, we'll see. We don't really know. We just don't really know where this is going to go. And for Tua, it it's gone in a great direction. Uh, next question for you, Jonathan. Bill Belichick passed George Hallis on the all-time wins list. He is clearly the best coach of our generation. I don't want to hear yeah, Tom Brady. That's the same <laughs> thing with like "Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Like, yep, everybody did. Nobody played. This isn't tennis. Like everybody had somebody. Uh, when you put up that many rings, look, somebody had Aaron Rodgers. How many rings? Somebody had Drew Brees. How many rings? Okay. And those are great coaches, too. Anyway, the whole point being Belichick is the best coach. There's no debate about it. I don't care if he helped deflate footballs or whatever. Uh, I want you to give me the top five non Belichick coaches of our generation, our lifetime of watching football post 2000, maybe put it that way. Who are
0: the top five post 2000 NFL coaches? I'm going to start off in the AFC North with a couple of uh, coaches there that have been there for a while now, Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, what they've done with those two organizations. They've each won a super bowl there. They've each had teams that are consistently some of the better run teams in the league. Now it helps that you have some good front offices there generally helping you and patient owners. It feels like in both those situations, John Harbaugh has gone through a quarterback change, almost a system change in the middle of his tenure and has kind of melded that into Lamar Jackson quite perfectly go from a guy like Joe Flacco into Lamar Jackson. That's not an easy switch to go from them from those two very different quarterbacks. And they've done it really well uh, looking for that one to kind of get to the conclusion and, Hopefully Lamar Jackson's able to win a Super Bowl there because that would prove that John Harbaugh is one of the better coaches. And I think he is one of the better coaches. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Uh, maybe this year he's going to, unfortunately, but he just came in in 2007 off of one year as the Vikings defensive coordinator. And everybody's like that, that, that guy doesn't probably didn't do, or there was a lot of talk of that. He didn't deserve it. Doesn't didn't deserve it, but he's shown absolutely that he deserved everything that he got there. And the owners have stayed patient and he's, Yes, he had Ben Roethlisberger for majority of his tenure, for almost all of his tenure there. But he's he one double. A good digits. player, a, co- <laughs> a coach had a good player. It helps. Oh God, it definitely helps. Just DQ.
1: <laughs> it definitely helps because Phil, Phil I mean, Jackson, they... go away, Phil Jackson. <laughs> Joe Torre, don't talk to me, Joe yep. Torre, about nope. your World Series. You don't get to wear the World Series rings. That was Jeets. Jeets <laughs> did it.
0: No coach coach
1: ever, no coach ever has done anything ever without great players. It's one of the most obnoxious things that ever gets said. Well, you know, he had Brady, like, okay, who had just garbage? Like who had garbage? (laughs) What coach ever just was like, all right, all right, Joe, Billy, Tommy, let's run out there and play the bears. Like nobody, nobody, nobody. All right. So anyway, g- carry on. I'm sorry. It's just one of the, it's just one of the worst. Oh, Brady proved it was all him. No, it wasn't all him. He went to another great team. I think we got anyway. Matthew
0: Collar triggered here.
1: <laughs> I just don't know. Like, yeah, the players usually are the, are part of it, a yeah. really big part of it. Actually. it helps.
0: Uh, I'm going to go after Mike Tomlin. I'm going to give some credit to Bruce Arians. Uh, he had the the first year as the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He doesn't get any of the wins from that. He went nine and three with that team taking over for a sick Chuck Pagano in that situation, but then goes on to Arizona goes to the playoffs with Drew Stanton as his quarterback and hmm. a laundry list of injuries. As I looked up but in the 2014 you the season. Bowl? Wow. He got close. He got it. Carson Palmer in the Arizona Cardinals close in 2015, uh, 13 and three. It was impressive getting because that close. Carson Palmer's good. Yeah. Why is yes. that wise? good player. They had a good player. Is that why? But then he wins the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, so <laughs> that disqualifies him there. So I'll give him I'll give him credit because he's had he's had some remarkable runs and what he's done with his coaching staffs in both of those situations. You you love to see that. Uh, another guy, Sean Payton. Also disqualified because he had Drew Brees. I know Vikings fans don't want to hear that Drew, Sean Payton's one of the better coaches in the NFL. But, I mean, look at his run in New Orleans. He had double-digit wins most of his seasons. He had the little, he had 2014 through 2016 where it was 7-9 and three years in a row. But then they bounced back and went double-digit wins four straight seasons before this last season without Drew Brees. So, I think Sean Payton deserves it for the way he kind of changed offenses with Drew Brees and the way he turned around a really terrible franchise before that in New Orleans, and especially in the situation that he took over in after Hurricane Katrina and taking that franchise in that city and lifting it up and winning a Super Bowl. And then I know I'm going to finish here with Gary Kubiak, your favorite here. I had was in Houston with Matt Schaub and still won plenty of games in the, in the air. AFC South with uh, Peyton Manning at the time, but still won won plenty of games in Houston, and then takes a just washed up, just shouldn't be playing anymore, Peyton Manning, who threw nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions, and still wins the Super Bowl in his first year as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I will give Gary Kubiak the credit he rightly deserves for creating offenses that we've seen today, and taking a Denver Broncos team that had lost the year prior in the Super Bowl, and taking them to a Super Bowl win the following year. Gary Kubiak is one of the most influential coaches in the NFL in the last
1: 20 years. Ask Matt LaFleur, ask Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan, ask Robert Sala. Those guys all worked for him in Houston. And now those are three of the better coaches in the NFL. And Gary Kubiak is, I mean, he's a humble guy. Like he's not patting himself on the back. He's not going to Instagram to post pictures of his coaching tree. (laughs) Look at his coaching tree. I mean, there's a, there is a lot of players who come from Shanahan gets all the credit for it. Mike Shanahan, But Gary Kubiak was right there. Gary Kubiak was the quarterback coach in 1994 for Steve Young. Like, he was, he really was around all the time. And then he's the offensive coordinator for John Elway after being Elway's backup quarterback, wins a Super Bowl there. I mean, lots of rings for Gary Kubiak as a coordinator and then as as a head coach, he got one in Denver. I mean, just just a remarkable career that does not get brought up enough with the elite coaches. So can you just read your list again? Because I was
0: screaming over it at times. Uh, I went Sean Payton, Gary Kubiak, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, uh, Bruce Arians. I, I I left out Tony Dungy. He's an honorable mention. Had double digit wins in uh, nine of his thirteen seasons or ten of his thirteen seasons, I believe. Uh, should have gotten the Super Bowl in Tampa, but they but the uh, the ownership there got got impatient, and then the year after they they ditch him, they win the Super Bowl with John Gruden. I think Tony Dungy deserves that Super Bowl because of where he brought that organization up to that point before they let him go. And he took over the Indianapolis Colts and ended up winning a super bowl with them.
1: Well, and don't get in Peyton Manning's way is also another, uh, another thing there, <laughs> yeah, but it's easy. I will say um, Sean McVay mm-hmm. uh, deserves to be on this list. Uh, the, you know, John Harbaugh is a tough one to leave off. That's a, that's a great one, but just filling in some that deserve maybe the credit from your list. Cause all of yours were, were right. Uh, Tom Coughlin, Two Super Bowls with the New York Giants, and neither one of them were favored. Uh, In fact, they were maybe the biggest underdog of all time when they beat, I I think by Vegas, they were the biggest underdog of all time when they beat the New England Patriots. Tom Coughlin uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. And that was, you know, based on, you know, a hard nosed coach, tough defense, the way that they played, ran the football well, all that sort of stuff. Um, Underrated probably is. Maybe it's too early to give Sean McDermott credit, but let's talk about where the Buffalo Bills franchise was. And you're never gonna believe this. It correlates with a quarterback. <laughs> never gonna believe it. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Just first guy on the list to have it correlate with a quarterback. Uh, but but Sean McDermott's defenses, Sean McDermott's culture, Sean McDermott, like everything and his patience with Josh Allen, his offense with Josh Allen, that they really just decided to let him cut it loose with Brian Dable, the hiring of Brian Dable, all those things that have played into them being a great franchise, them bringing in Stefan Diggs, empowering Stefan Diggs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of important things that Sean McDermott did. And I know he's fairly new, but I mean, that franchise is now the premier team in the league. uh, And trust me, they were not that for a long time. (laughs) They were not that for a long time. I think that he's still got time to go. Uh, as opposed to being established like some of the other coaches we've mentioned, and probably needs to win a Super Bowl there. But and let's not forget two other guys, kind of old, older school. But uh, Andy Reid, and now Andy Reid won a lot with Donovan McNabb's good quarterback, and Alex Smith is a good quarterback. Then he gets a great quarterback and goes to the AFC Championship, Super Bowl, Super Bowl AFC Championship. Is that right? I mean, I my so, God. Yeah. So him and his work with Patrick Mahomes, patience in the first year with Mahomes, keeping him on the bench, playing Alex Smith, winning a lot of games then having the guts to go to Mahomes, uh that is that matters a lot to me. And you know who never gets any credit at all and it's sort of uh it's sort of funny is Pete Carroll. Yeah. Like Pete Pete Carroll is finally getting to wave it around at people a little bit yes. this year because he was Look, look at Russell Wilson's stats. Sometimes this always blows my mind. Is there sometimes these like with the Tua thing, these narratives just gain so much momentum that it becomes groupthink? It's like for some reason, the the let Russ Cook thing. A lot of people were writing think pieces about why they needed to pass the ball more often and never considered the idea that maybe Russell Wilson benefited from them being a run first team. And maybe his statistics were kind of like all-time great. And <laughs> and that they were winning 10 to 12 games every single year. It's like how wrong could the guy be? I'm not right. saying he did everything right, okay? For sure didn't do everything right. But they were succeeding on the ground and running the play actions and going downfield with Russell Wilson and then he was making plays outside of structure and they were winning a ton of games. And I think that that narrative, that sort of internet-driven type of narrative actually influenced Russell Wilson himself and his own happiness uh, Mm -hmm. in Seattle. If he never heard that, if he never heard let Russ cook, would he have been unhappy? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he thought he should throw the ball more, but a lot of times the efficiency is based on how well you do some other things, like how well you have uh, downfield receivers, how well you run the football. And they couldn't really pass protect with him in the shotgun all the time. They didn't have offensive lines that were built well enough. So I think Pete Carroll knew what he was doing and has won a lot of football games and is now winning again with a team that's pretty subpar and has a career backup quarterback. Like I think the guy deserves a lot of credit. There are a few coaches that kind of bleed over into the 2000s, like Bill Cowher, but he's a nineties coach to me. Uh, Like Joe Gibbs came back, but that's very much an eighties and nineties coach to me. So I don't know if I I necessarily, Mike Holmgren is definitely a nineties coach. Um, So I don't know if I necessarily named a list here exactly, other than to just fill out, here's some of the guys um, that we missed. And I'm, I'm scrolling down to see if there's anybody else. Like, I don't really want to anoint Kyle Shanahan yet, but what he's done getting Jimmy Garoppolo to a Super Bowl, pretty impressive. Um, but th- there's still time to go. Matt LaFleur is the guy who has the highest win percentage. Um, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Matt LaFleur does for uh, getting Aaron Rodgers and his career back on track. But again, it's like a small sample size, it's just a few years. Jim Harbaugh, just a few years with San Francisco. Like, I think you need a little bit more for that. So, always interesting to talk about the impact of
0: coaches, what they mean to their quarterbacks, what they mean to their teams, things like that. I think and Pete um, Carroll, I think Pete Carroll deserves a little bit more credit as well because we always talk and we always make fun of Matt Rule being a college guy and Irvin Meyer being a college guy. Pete Carroll was, a, he was probably one of the first college guys in a long time to come up and be successful. He, he, he had the success in college with USC, and everybody was like, oh, this guy's got to come up to the NFL, so he gets to the NFL and is successful in the NFL as well. Yes, it helped having Russell Wilson. Yes, it helped having the Legion of Boom, but he still had to instill those systems to make those things successful, and they changed how defense was played for a while in the NFL, uh, did Pete Carroll in that defense there in Seattle, and they made that place a fortress, and a lot of that is because of the culture that Pete – Pete Carroll instilled in that team. And he's getting to, as you said, wave it around this year because he doesn't have Russell Wilson. He has Geno Smith who hasn't played in eight years and they're just almost as successful, but I think he deserves a little bit more credit because he is the college guy who came up from college and continued being successful instead of uh, running a joke show and getting fired after a couple years.
1: Yeah. And he had been an NFL coach before, which I think yeah. really helped him, but that is absolutely right that people said about Pete Carroll Oh, this guy, he's just a college coach. Like that's yep. just who he is. Like he didn't really succeed in new England. I think he had one 10 win season, but he's really just, he's really just a college coach. He's this really enthusiastic guy, whatever else. But I mean, I, I think that he knew what he was doing, not mm-hmm. to defend every run. Okay. Like sometimes <laughs> yeah, like I'm not defending every play that he made, but I just feel like sometimes people like, love to get like locked onto this idea and it's, and then just keep pounding away at it when it might not really be true. Like some, like the running game still matters in the NFL and you benefit the passing game a lot from it. It's been proven. I mean, it shows that linebackers have to move more when you're having a successful running game. When you do, when you do play action, oh my gosh, your quarterback rating shoots up through the roof. And what's the best way to hit deep balls to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Doug Baldwin for a while? It's probably forcing the other team to bring safeties up into the box, right? And so I think that, like, those things um, are maybe common sense stuff that was overlooked a little bit. All right, last thing, very quickly, very quickly. Christian McCaffrey threw, caught, and ran a touchdown. My gosh, that is cool. That's just (laughs) cool as hell. Uh, I want you to tell me what uh, is your favorite single game feat by a player? Just single game, craziest, most
0: amazing statistical something. Holy cow. I can't believe this guy did that. Mm-hmm. I had to go look it up because I, I vaguely remembered it happening, but I couldn't remember exactly what happened. Devin Hester week 13, 2014 Atlanta Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Returned his 20th career touchdown. It was a punt return. His 20th career punt return touchdown, I believe, or just in general kick return touchdown. Breaking Deion Sanders' record for non-offensive touchdowns that he had previously shared with Sanders. Also in the same game, Hester recorded a rushing touchdown, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery all in the same game. Give it up to Devin Hester in 2014. So
1: I didn't see this game, but it still counts... Cause I've watched it uh, on the internet. So mm-hmm. if I've seen it on the internet, then it counts. <laughs> Derek Thomas with seven sacks in a single Ooh. game. Yeah. That's a good season. That <laughs> yes. is a good season. I mean, Derek Thomas was one of the most exciting, dominating players in NFL history. And to sack a quarterback <laughs> seven <laughs> times in one game. Unreal. It is, is absolutely mind blowing. Uh, I will also throw out there the great flipper Anderson who went for 336 yards receiving like those, those things are such unbelievable uh, individual accomplishments Mm. that, I mean, I I don't know that either one of them will ever ever be topped. Adrian Peterson running for 296 yards. Now, I mean, these aren't obscure. These are some NFL records, but um, these are, these are ones like the Derek Thomas one stands out so much. No one, I don't think will ever get seven sacks in a game. You can get, you get three. You have had yeah. this monster, unbelievable football game. I I'm trying to think of the best that I've seen in person. I'm not sure the best, actually I've got it. Uh, Jared Goff against the Minnesota Vikings in Los Angeles, a perfect oh, yeah. quarterback rating in a win in Los Angeles. And he threw like 40 passes. I yeah. you just... I don't even, I, yeah, I was there. I don't know how it's possible. Uh, yeah. The rapper YG jumped out of the stands and high-fived <laughs> Robert Woods. It was nuts. So that's, that is the best, I think, individual performance that I've seen in an entire game uh, was that. So anyway, great long. stuff, uh, Jonathan. Fun as always and a wild NFL trade deadline. We'll continue to break it down. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to our additional show here, Hot Routes. And we will see you again next week.